Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner, and we have a special guest with us today, and that is Adam Homie. Welcome, Adam. Great to be here. Thank you so much. I'm excited about the opportunity to do something that may be a benefit to your community market and audience. Very excellent. Well, thank you for joining us on the show today. And we're going to be talking about your book and strategy in working with people who are in the business owner, business creator space, which is our tribe. And you specifically have a book called Groundhog Day is not an event. It is a business or it is, let me just back that whole thing up. Groundhog Day is, <laughs> is an event, not a business strategy. Correct. And so we're going to be talking today about how you see opportunities buried beneath the surface in people's businesses and really be able to connect your brilliance and your passion to win at business and marketing, which I just really love that you're connecting brilliance and passion. So a little bit about Adam before we get started. He is the founder and creator of the Business Creators Institute. He helps entrepreneurs and business creators like you emancipate the power of information and win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Um, Something else I will mention here is that he has written the book as well, and he's also a featured contributor in the international Amazon bestseller, Journeys to Success the millennial edition. So Adam, can you just bring us up to speed? Tell us how you got into this work in not only being a business owner and creator, but how you're now helping people with their businesses and marketing. All right. Well, let's rewind to the beginning of the journey that led to the creation of the book Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. I've been an entrepreneur since the year 2003 when I started something as a side hustle, and I've been full-time with it since 2005. My business has gone through a few different iterations, a few different brands, a few different focuses of work. By the time we got to the year 2013, I'd reached the point, well, actually, no, it's more, it was more like 2015. We'd reached a point where I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had clients who had been with me for at that point 10 years. Most of them are still with me to this day. Their businesses evolved along with mine, so it's been very happy working with them. And I enjoy the bespoke and unique work I do with them. However, it wasn't really something I wanted to market. It wasn't something I really wanted to promote. And when I looked into the future, all I saw was blackness. and means no vision. I don't know where I want to go. Yeah. During those three years, I had one thing working for me, which was my podcast, The Business Creators Radio Show, where I had the opportunity to connect with 52 people per year because there are 52 episodes. And that was my one and only source of leads. And it was also my one and only way of getting out to the world anything that I was doing. I went through this Mm. for almost three years. And then finally, and it was almost by happenstance, I began posting to my social media on a daily basis something, a story about a success story, maybe one of mine, maybe somebody I know, some inspirational thought I have, one of my metaphoric analogies I love to share, uh, something that grinds my gears, something about cats, whatever it is. 
A friend of mine stopped by my profile and commented that he loves seeing the Daily Adam. Like, okay, what is this, like a news magazine or something? <laughs> so I looked up Daily Adam. It turns out there are about 20 of them. And I thought, okay, the, what about the Morning Adam? I only found one, and they were dormant. So I decided, all right, I'm going to be the Morning Adam. I put up a very simple blog. I mean, really simple. Installed WordPress, put up a a blank theme, and all it had was a simple logo and a cartoon character on my face. Anything that I posted anywhere, whether it was my social media, whether it was something that I ranted about in a, in a messenger chat or what have you that I thought was blog-worthy, I cross-posted over to this blog. I built a, a community around following this blog to test out my ideas, and I made a commitment that for 90 days, Whatever I had to share, whether it was a success story, a metaphor, something that grinds my gears, whatever it is, at the end of 90 days, I would log back into this WordPress site and divide the posts into categories. Categories became chapters. And then I outlined this thing, dumped it all into a massive Word document and just needed an overriding theme or story to put on top of it. Spoke about it with my business coach in the summer of 2017. And he asked me, you know, what's really my reason for doing this? Now, my original reason was, hey, for lack of a better phrase, to find myself. So I was mm -hmm. looking for where the intersection of my brilliance and my passion was. So I just went with it naturally. No preconceived avatars, no target markets, just whatever was just burning up inside me. I didn't need to get out to the world. My intersection of my brilliance and my passion. And I told him that what really seems to drive a lot of the stuff that I'm saying is I notice entrepreneurs find themselves on these plateaus. No matter mm -hmm. what happens, maybe they launch something and it goes really well. They have a big growth spurt. Something happens, they get massive media attention and it takes their business to a different level. But by the time the dust settles and all is said or done, they keep finding themselves at the exact level of profitability or lack thereof, sometimes even the same dollar amount. And they're having the same conversations they've been having for five years. Why isn't the list getting any bigger? Why don't we have any more customers? Why don't we have any more market share? Uh, why aren't we getting more leads on our special report over and over and over again? And I made a comment that for these entrepreneurs, it was like, it's like being that movie Groundhog Day, except in hell. And that's where we lashed onto it. Now, my client had the idea, or my, or my business coach, rather, had the idea of calling it Groundhog Day as an event, not a marketing strategy. But I made clear, this is not a marketing book. I don't want to be in that pigeonhole. So we changed marketing to business. Fast forward to the beginning of January 2018, and life had gotten in the way. I hadn't really done much with this. What is the best day of the year to launch a book that has the title, that has the words Groundhog Day in the title? Mm -hmm. Uh, February 2nd, I February think. 2nd, uh -huh. February 2nd, right. I had two choices. Wait another year or postpone the project to maybe the middle of the year and then have a different title and a different theme that I might not have the same brilliance and passion about for myself. Then I just went with option thir three, which was screw it, let's do it. I cleared a week of my schedule. I made this thing happen. I gathered around my group of friends and got them all to agree that on February 2nd, they would buy the Kindle version all at the same time. And voila, our international Amazon bestseller. So that's the story behind the book. And I know that a lot of this, the, what we want to share 
in our conversation today is about some of the lessons within it and how it benefits entrepreneurs. But I shared that story in a long form for you because there's two things I want our listeners and our viewers to get right now. Number one is that rules and regulations and the how you're supposed to do it is in more cases than not a permanent overreaction to a temporary blip on the radar. You can break those rules like I broke the rules in getting the book done. And number two is that you are allowed to be unconventional. I created an entire marketing program that, as I said, had no avatar and no target market and no product behind it. And that created my core following that is still the basis of my fan base for the Business Creators Radio Show to this day. I like that you shared the steps leading up to that, because I think sometimes we envision that in business, we're going to know exactly where we're going to land and we can always reverse engineer it. And we know the steps that we can take to get there. And a lot <laughs> of being in business, I hear that almost uh, maniacal <laughs> laughter. <laughs> I think sometimes it's a lot less direct and a lot less scriptable. And if that's even a word, but a lot of times it's it just now taking the next step and then figuring out what happens. And you were definitely in a very organic space of creating the next thing yeah. and then doing the next thing and doing the next thing as right. you figured out how to serve people in a really powerful way. Okay. What was that word you just used that you weren't sure was a word? Scriptable. Like scriptable. Well, okay. It's a word now because you create a word. Um, <clears throat> okay. I'm going to say a couple other words. Uh, you, you know what normalcy is? It's what's normal. They they thought that was a made-up word back in 1920. Turns out Warren G. Harding actually found it in the dictionary. Uh, when I say kafefi, do you know what that means? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, nobody really knows what kafefi means, but everybody has a vision in their mind when they hear it. Sounds like confetti. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of your listeners know what we're talking about here. But the point is, is we can create narratives, we can create words, and we can harness that power to create movements and create energies that can raise us all up because a rising tide buoys all ships. So Absolutely. it starts with words and how we use them, which is why the which is why there's an entire section of the Groundhog book that's devoted to small changes in how we phrase things, how they can lead to big differences in our communications, our breakthroughs, and our successes. That's exciting. So what do you see being the cause of most people repeating the same problems and the same challenges over and over and not getting past them? I think one of the big things that gets in the way is, again, this whole thing that there are roles to follow and there are things that need to be done a certain way. So. Have you guys ever heard the story of the man who wondered why his wife cut off the ends of the roast when she put it in the pot? Mm -hmm. Yes. You have heard one. I'll get, yes. uh, okay, so I'll skip straight to the punchline for your viewers, because I think we might have spoken about this when you were on my show. The point is, is this guy, uh, three generations of his wife's family had been told that the reason you cut off the ends of the roast when you put it in the pan is because it makes the roast cook better. But it turns out the reason they did originally is because their great-grandmother 
was, uh, was during the depression, or the Great Depression, and they just simply couldn't afford to buy a bigger pan. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think constrains us in many cases. I urge business creators, entrepreneurs, whoever you are, to look at the things you're doing on a daily basis and ask yourself continuously, what would happen if we didn't do this at all? And that creates a challenge. It helps to surface those things. It may be permanent overreactions, the temporary blips on the radar screen. It may show that instead of A, B, C, D, and E, you could actually go A, D, E, and it'd be better and faster and still get you the same result with no losses. And it also can show you what your true high value activities are so mm-hmm. you can do more of those. So it's a matter of optimizing and allocating your resources and your energies. It's not to say we're going to dismiss everything we're doing. It's to help us surface just as the groundhog surfaces the rich soil when they dig their burrow that fertilizes the ground around and creates the greener grass on your side of the fence. What really matters? And what's going to fa- get you where you need to go? Yeah. Have you ever found that some of it is... Uh a personal stubbornness that says they don't want to admit that they've been doing things wrong for a long period of time. Not only yes, but guilty as charged. We've all been there. Let's be candid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting that, I mean, I can think of a million ways where this shows up in our own work, in my own work, my day to day. And it's interesting how sometimes it's the feeling of having to provide what we think is someone else's expectations. Uh, I mean, when we started in business, it was the, we have to have business cards and we have to have, you know, <laughs> letterhead. I'm, I'm letting the wicked laugh out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting how I look back and I say, oh my goodness, there's no reason we had to start with any of those things, why we had to make a deal about our logo before we could start business. But it's just interesting how you realize that not only are half of the things that are on our to-do list, probably not that big of a priority, but that we could offload some of those to somebody else and have them do something more efficiently or faster or completely better. And I love that question. I think that's a really good question to ask. What happens if we don't do this at all? Because I think we're creating our current reality with the thoughts that we have, the words that we say, the actions that we do. And if we want a different and bigger reality, we have to approach it completely differently, not the same tasks and same way of doing things. Great. Now, I'll just point out very briefly that when people first get into entrepreneurship, they are, in some cases, told to believe that branding is about, well, your logo, your color swatch, your business cards, your letterheads. I have interviewed branding expert after branding expert after branding expert on both my podcasts for my training programs, et cetera, ad infinitum. And the common theme through all those conversations is that branding is ultimately some combination of the energies put out by the human figurehead driving the business, mm-hmm. where how the business positions itself within the world community, and the customer experience they create for the people that interact with the business. Amen. Yes. Colors and logos may be used if you want to actually get into that, then it's most, mo- most valuable when you get into the psychology of how colors and fonts and designs impact people neuroscientifically. But unless you're willing to go that level, you might as well get a logo on fiber. It's going to have about the same impact. It is just so, so interesting. So thank you for sharing kind of what 
leads people to stay stuck in that powerful question, what happens if we don't do this at all? And especially when that's something that you don't even enjoy doing, or it's counter to your uniqueness or your unique ability. Dan Sullivan would say, find a way to outsource that or hire somebody who has that unique skill set, but don't continue working in an area of your opportunity, working in your area of strength. So let's get back to your book for a second. You talk about using the spring method to spring forward and not continue repeating. Yeah. The spring formula to spring forward. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Okay. It's my belief that you can convey messages and ideas when you can create acronyms around him. So what does the groundhog do when he comes out of the burrow? He looks at his shadow and he tells you whether or not you're going to have six more weeks of winter or whether you're going to go into spring. So keeping with the theme, we developed the spring formula. And I'll tell you what the S-P-R-I-N-G stand for. S, science of the mindset. This is the most powerful computer that's ever been invented. Prospect attraction, looking at not only what we can do to attract our prospects, but also some of the things we may be doing that we were told were part of prospect attraction, but are actually getting in the way of the sale. Then there's ripple effect. This is the R, ripple effect from team members and how to avoid it. When your employees, your contractors, your team members find themselves out of alignment with the mission, vision, and goals of what you're doing, that will impact your customers, your prospects, and your transaction partners. So stop the ripple before it even gets out there. I, identify and intake new customers. It is my belief that there is a difference between a transaction partner and a customer. A transaction partner means, yeah, you checked your mail or you got your little alert on your smartphone and said, aha, I made a sale, yes. That's not a customer. That's somebody who gave you money in exchange for something of value. They become a customer as a result result of the experience they have with you. Mm. N, N, name your terms with powerful language. And this is where we integrate entry-level neuro-linguistic programming and the simple shifting of words to create a more powerful experience for everybody involved. And then finally, the G is greater efficiency in service through minimalism. And if I were to update this book, which I'm not going to do, but if I were... I would add and essentialism. So it'd be greater efficiency and service through minimalism and, and essentialism. All these things come together as a way of utilizing the power of language and human thought and combining that with a sim- simplifying formula for how you do things to create the success you're looking for and get you off that plateau. That's fascinating, especially the minimalism. So I want to come back to two things that you highlighted. One, uh, we'll come back to essentialism and minimalism in a second. First, you said there's a difference between transaction partner and a customer. Why do you think we get that mixed up and confused? And what problems does that create if we think of a customer just as somebody who's transacted money? As I say in the book, I frequently myself will call somebody who just gave me money a customer or gave somebody money a customer because we're just so programmed to do that. Uh, However, and I believe this may have been your experience and and one or more of your businesses at one point or another, that just because somebody gave you money doesn't mean that it was necessarily a great thing. They could have been a high maintenance client. It could have been one of those ones where despite your efforts, everything went south. 
-hmm. or there could have just been something about it that after it was over made you think, oh, I'll never do that again. Does any of this sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Uh, Does it also sound familiar that a prospect may show up on your doorstep that checks off all 10 boxes of the 10 must-haves for your ideal client, but something about your conversation or your initial interactions with them have you running for the hills? Does that sound familiar too? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at this point, we're dealing with transactions where money is exchanged for something of value. Now, combining the customer experience and branding, as we discussed earlier, when somebody goes through the process of consuming what it is, what is the value that you give them, whether it's a product, a service, consulting, agency type services, whatever it is, and their feelings about it and how they perceive that they've gained benefit from it, that's what makes them into a loyal customer, somebody who's going to stay with you, somebody who's going to turn away opportunities from competitors, even those that are lower priced, because they feel safe, they feel comfortable, and they feel valued with you. They're going to tell their friends about you because they are that confident in your level of deliver, they feel safe sharing with their friends that you can help your, their friends as well. And finally, that they will continue to stay with you, maybe even beyond their need for you simply because they value the, the value, value, the value that you brought mm-hmm. to them up until now. So what's interesting about that is my mind immediately goes back to a diagram inside of a book called pumpkin plan your business by Mike McCallowitz. And he talks about these three intersecting circles where you have your ideal customer, you have the ideal, um, basically your unique offering that only you can provide that no one else can compete on. And then you are systematizing that for that ideal client. Correct. And, and I hear you saying very similar things. And what's interesting is that if we spend time serving and creating products and meeting the needs of non-ideal customers who maybe aren't that profitable and that don't get the same type of benefit from us working with them. It's a challenge because you can't systematize that, but you also have a situation where neither the person delivering the product and service or the person receiving it is most energized. And so I think sometimes we can all feel like, oh, we have to help everybody. We have to serve everyone. If we turn anyone away, we're just being bad. Uh But at the same time, if we don't really get into the psychology and being able to serve the ideal client to the best of their ability and our ability, nobody's going to get as much value. Also, let's remember that the term ideal client is allowed to evolve over time. Mm. Yes, that's good. I just want to briefly insert that. You don't have to march in lockstep with a decision you made last year just because you made it. That's good. That's good. Um, So you also talked about um, just now when you shared the spring formula, you talked about having greater efficiency and minimalism. And I love the word minimalism. That can mean many different things to many different people. Um, Can you differentiate what you mean specifically by minimalism versus essentialism and how to apply that in your business, not just in your home decor or in your um, schedule plan with your children and your family or your, um, how how do you apply that in your business? Okay. Uh, We can spend all day about the 
fine point definitions of words like minimalism and essentialism. What it really comes down to is optimizing that which benefits you and cutting out that which doesn't. Uh, I live in a two-bedroom apartment because I want to. I don't want to deal with a house. This works for me. So, yeah, I have heard all the lectures. I don't care. I don't have a lot of decorations in here because I like the wide open space. The only people who really need to be happy, the only persons who need to be happy with this are my office supervisors, Princess Alessandra Francesca and Princess Stella Giuliana, who are two domestic black-haired cats, <laughs> two domestic short-haired cats. Alessandra is actually sitting right here. You may see her off to the side. Uh, so I ask, is it all a big game of Pac-Man? Now, for those who are familiar with that arcade game Pac-Man, uh, think about how when you start the initial board, the ghosts move kind of slow and the Pac-Man moves kind of fast. And you can usually eat up all the dots and get all four of the power pellets and eat all 16 of the ghosts. So you maximize out your points. But as you go through the higher levels, you find that the power pellets don't last as long and the play goes a lot faster. So you cannot necessarily eat up all the power pellets. You just have to clear out all the regular pellets to get onto the next board. And even if you do get all the power pellets, you may not get all the ghosts before they turn into lethal ghosts again. So you make the decision that you're going to just keep moving forward and you know that you can't eat everything that's out there. You cannot consume it all because it will weigh you down and stop you from getting to where you need to be. Uh, so there are really... I never played Pac-Man, except for, I do remember there was this pizza joint um, yeah, where uh, I would go uh -huh. with my family and we yep. would like... I think we never wanted to put the quarters in to actually make it work. So we would just like see the screen. And I, I know what you're yeah. talking about, but I never actually played there, it. Yeah, so. there, there, are two, there, there, sure. there are 256 levels and I'm you have sure two choices. Clients can... You can try and eat all of it or catch as much as you can, but keep your eyes on the prize while continuing to advance to higher levels. Uh, and That's here's excellent. A, Go ahead. Yeah. And here's another example that binds together a few things. Okay. So in your... When you, if you still are actually calling people and leaving voicemails for them, and I know this is so 2021, I know people don't even have phone numbers anymore who are successful in business regardless, which kind of proves the point. You, you pick up the phone, you dial somebody, and uh, there's an 80% chance it's going to go their voicemail, even if they're sitting right next to their phone. Statistics show this. And then you get that voicemail greeting that says something like, Hi, you've reached the office of Marsha Thoreau. I'm either on the phone or away from my desk. Please leave a formulaic message that I'm already dreading having to log in and retrieve, including your phone number, so I can still not hear and have to Google you for it anyway, and I'll get right back to you. Really, I'll call you right back. You're perfectly safe holding your breath while you wait for this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the feeling, yeah. yes. So, 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 the so the question I ask is, what is this BS about desk and desks and phones? Get, I'm on the phone or away from my desk. Really? <laughs> number one, duh. And number two, not even necessarily the case. The right. statistics, again, show that the vast majority of people receiving calls in 2021, and again, this can be impacted by demographics, whether they're Gen X or Boomer or Millennial or Gen Z or what have you. There are different 
trends within each one of those. But where it's trending toward is that you could call me. I could see your number coming up and it's like, all right, come on, finish ringing so I can go back to playing Pac-Man. Finish ringing. Come on, I want to hit something. Finish ringing. Okay, cool. And I pull up my messenger. Rachel, saw you called. What's up? So not only am I not going to answer the call, I'm not going to listen to your voicemail either. There are large companies that are in the process of doing away with their voicemail applications. I know in my business, I'll say this candidly, 90% of the voicemails that my company receives are from my mother. <laughs> yep. Well, it's well just I can, I can uh, actually... Um... I can actually lend some credence to that. We actually, one of the businesses I own is called the Beer Sauce Shop, and it's a combination of craft beer and barbecue rubs and sauces. And we have decided not to have a business phone. And yeah. people were just like, but what we were finding out is people were just calling all the time, interrupting our employees, doing what they could be doing efficiently and saying things like, Hey, what are your what are your hours of operation on Saturday? <laughs> you know, uh, I I go to a cigar shop on a regular basis. I, I got to tell you this, and uh, whoever's working there, sometimes it gets to the point where they'll start answering the phone. They'll say, uh, they'll say, "Good afternoon," and Fuego Cigars and Lounge. We're open till nine. Can I help you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And are they are they'll ask you know uh, which which you know, what type of beer do you have in or what type of this? And it, and it's all on the website. Yeah. And so you try to train them to, you know, go on the website because it's a lot more efficient for, for us to actually have our employees working and making the experience better for you right? than to actually just answering a question, oh, we're open till 10 o'clock tonight, or we have this voodoo rub, you know, in stock. All you have to do is go on the website and see it's, it's in stock and see the hours of operations. So I, I can definitely lend some credence to that, that the phone right. is not, not necessarily useful. Right, right, right. And as far as getting a hold of me, here's two things I tell people. No, I will not give out my cell phone number for business purposes. A couple reasons. A, my toll-free number forwards to my cell phone. You already have that number to call, number one. Number two, I don't text. Because in my experience, texting is folks' attempts to end run the processes and systems that I use to keep things running efficiently. Not to mention, I'm so far over on the left side of the introvert, introvert, extrovert scale, they had to create a new category for me way over here in introvert land, which means I need periods of time where I just check out from blue screens and sometimes life. So the idea that you can text me to get a hold of me off hours. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed. So why would I even bother? Mm-hmm. Now, here's what I do. Now, here's what I do offer. And I draw a distinction between availability, which means anybody can get a hold of you at any time, versus accessibility, that you do make yourself highly accessible and are in a position of service. So, Bruce, you give the example of you don't necessarily want people calling your establishment, you don't want to publish your phone number, but at the same time, you have invested in creating a rich informational experience so they don't even have to call if they just know what to look for and actually can find it easier to work with your establishment to buy your stuff. Are we on the same page with that? 
Absolutely. It, it, it runs through all the social media, you yep. know, so on and so forth. So yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So in my case, what I tell folks is if you're a paying customer of my customer of mine, you know, somebody who's gone through that journey from transaction partner to customer, and you participate at or above a certain level with my business, then you get something that nobody else in the world gets, which is access to my Skype, which I have installed on all my machines, all my smartphones, all my tablets and everything. Very easy mm -hmm. way to get a hold of me. Anytime you need something, type three words. Got a sec. As soon as I do, I'll get back to you. So there's that, there's that assurance right there that if you're working at one of the premium or VIP levels with me, that level of personal attention will be there. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, and this includes anybody who's listening to this right now, you can simply go to a dedicated website I up, have up, www.schedulewithadam.com, and you can schedule a call. It'll take you through a very simple process of selecting your time zone, the date and time, and what you want to speak about. You don't have to check with me first. In the one case out of 100 that something shows up on there through my once hub that I don't want to speak with a person or I realize this meeting really should be an email, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. So mm -hmm. you don't have to ask me, hey, when can you talk? Because I don't know either. What, every morning I, I pull down my schedule and I see what's there. Because anybody, anybody can book off the transom, uh, I have it set so they can do it no earlier than the day before so I don't get any same-day surprises. Mm -hmm. and, and again, as I just said, you can, like anybody watching this right now could book a call with me, and they don't even have to check with me first. It'll guide them through the process of telling me what they want to speak with me about, so I show up for the call prepared. And in that one case out of 100 where I just don't want to, or this would be better as an email, or I already have the resource, or I already have the answer prepackaged for them, I can just say, hey, um, here's what I think you're looking for. Do you still need the call or is this do the job for you? Mm -hmm. you know, it's really interesting that I think any business who is growing has recognized a lot of what you're sharing already. And we've seen yes. that with ourselves too, whether in the beginning, the olden days, it was, hey, can you have a meeting with us? So yes, let's have a phone call to schedule <laughs> on the calendar to coordinate multiple people's uh, calendars. Huh? And where now it's book a call through the, the website. But what's really interesting, you're sharing something that's applicable, not just for people to reach you, but to any business owner in their business. Because if you're running a successful business, you need to protect your time so that you can dedicate time to work on the things that matter that are going to ultimately drive your business forward, which means absolutely not. Can you be doing a hundred things every minute of the day and juggling yeah. Facebook messages personally and your texts and your calls? It just doesn't make any sense to be pulled in that many directions. You'll never be able to focus on what truly matters. So I think yeah. I got one for you, and this is not in my book. It was actually part of the original manuscript. It's one of the things that got caught, that got cut for uh, sake of space. My first professional, true professional job, this is the job that I started at when I went to MBA school, is I worked as an administrative assistant for two people in a mid-sized company. Uh, they were both at the director level. Now, this involved, uh, in some cases, working with the administrative assistants of the people who had the titles with the word chief in them to schedule meetings about this or that. So it would take, I would sometimes be two and three weeks deep into schedules constantly changing because I had to deal with five other people and there was dynamism and everybody's schedule was changing all the time. And uh, 
Finally, and this is this is the point of this, one of those other administrative assistants who is the assistant to the chief something officer pulled me aside and said, you know, um, the the senior management really don't want to meet with your guy. So this meeting's really never going to happen. You can, we can continue to play this game, but you're not going to get a meeting with them. It's like, oh, okay. So now we're wasting more time because they can't just say, this meeting should be an email, write it up for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I also play some of that on, uh, on the other side of the equation where they were trying to push a meeting rather than be prepared to communicate through a different modality. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, I think, to become clear on what your goals are and where you're going so that you can figure out the most efficient way to get there. And I think that comes back to, Adam, your original question. Does this need to be a meeting? Does this need to be a phone call? Does this need to be a face-to-face conversation? Do we need to do what would happen if we didn't do this at all? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good question for anyone at any level, because let's just say you're listening right now and you say, you know, I've already got this. I'm automated. My schedule is automated. I'm time blocking. I'm really efficient with my time. I know my core skills or my core um, time that I'm focused on deep work. And I've got this really ironed out, you could still recognize that there probably are areas where you could ask that question, what would happen if we didn't do this at all? And I think that just continues to up level or level up or continue to calibrate improving your systems and processes, which ultimately are needed underlying any successful business. So then to to prove um, that we are trying to live that, what would happen if we would end this podcast in five minutes? What would happen uh, if we end this podcast <laughs> in five minutes? Then, uh, then, then we, then we probably wouldn't get to discuss, uh, we probably wouldn't get to discuss Gordon Gecko. We probably wouldn't get to discuss whether we agree on things and a couple other items that I'm really hoping you ask me about. <laughs> oh, I love your answer. That's great. Okay. So Adam, if people would like to find out more about the work that you do, how do they plug in to get started? Okay. Most of the actual work I do these days is working with entrepreneurs to launch their podcasts. So I encourage people to visit www.thereachsystem.com and that website explains how that process works. I also have a Facebook community around that topic. It's called Everything Podcasting. It has its own website as well, www.everythingpodcasting.group, not .com, .group. As far as what we're discussing here today, if you would like to get your own copy of Groundhog Day as an event, not a business strategy, it is conveniently available on Amazon as a paperback or a Kindle. I have a real simple URL for you as well that'll make it real easy for you to find it. That is www.thegroundhogbook.com, www.thegroundhogbook.com. So those are really the resources that I would share with you. Uh, I encourage everybody, pick up a copy of the book. If you would honor me to leave a review and tell me what you found most helpful most inspirational or most curious about the book because you may have questions about it you may have a different point of view and part of the actual curriculum within the book is how to leverage the power of different points of view to create things that are better than each of us individually could create ourselves 
That is good. That's good. That idea has shown up for me in one other spot, which is problem solving, especially even mm -hmm. in a family or a team, instead of just saying, here is the solution or the top down, the CEO, the, the executive is making a decision or the parent, it could be that you say, what are all the possible solutions to this problem? And chances are you're going to find something that not one person could think of on their own. Yeah. So Adam, thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and just the experience that you've seen with business owners plateauing and needing to move past that. Thank you for being a model of protecting your time and setting systems around your life that support your goals. And thank you for being honest about what matters to you, because I think we all need to be truly honest, authentically about what we want to create, not what we think other people want for us to create that we have to live up to their expectations that we've internalized. That just gets a whole bunch of weird. So let's be honest about what we truly want to create. And thank you for modeling that really well. Well, Rachel and Bruce, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Uh, this has been a joyous occasion, and I am honored by the opportunity to be of service to your community market and audience. So thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. And if you are looking to optimize your financial life, please go ahead and check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. So wherever you're coming across this episode, we'd love to hear your questions, your thoughts, and speaking of that, I need to check if we have any questions. I was not watching um, as we were speaking here. And so if I've missed them, we'll go ahead and check back later. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.